0: Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We've used science to to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you.
1: You too. Well, hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Mark and Todd Cast. It's a special edition with well, we have uh, Todd here and uh, Brian, the Unipiper
2: Kid. How's it going, guys? All all separated by many, many, many miles.
1: <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, like uh, so many others, we're doing a recording from home, separated by electronics only, and uh, I can cough on my microphone and it doesn't affect you at all
3: (laughs) absolutely listening to the uh theme song through zoom it sounded like the mark and todd uh broadcast through an am radio oh Uh, i was
2: gonna say it sounds like some new like auto-tuned rapper version of our (laughs) because it was all digitized and sounded crazy mm -hmm. yeah uh,
1: um you know this last week i uh was in calculus class you know like we all are and i was taking a test but i was seated between two identical twins uh, which uh, made me fail my test because i couldn't differentiate between them
2: (laughs) i haven't got to play my live slide whistle in a while that was kind of nice Well, before we get too far into it, Brian, were you anticipating on being here the whole time or should we do your segment and let you go?
3: Oh, I'm fine to hang around. I'll I'll uh okay. be happy to chime in. All right. Well then I
2: suppose we can get to some news uh here. Um So there's not a lot going on in the world other than one big huge thing. So uh, we'll talk briefly about that. Uh, Usually our news is out of date by the time this even goes up. So it's kind of pointless. So I'll try to try to keep it to some larger pictures. Um, Netflix and YouTube in Europe uh, have cut video quality after pressure from uh, European officials. So they both reduced video streaming quality in Europe to reduce the stress on residential broadband networks. So uh, they've, uh, noticed i guess that there's a big tax uh taxing of the system for internet stuff and um i don't think there's any word that that will happen in the in the u.s in the uh, u.s as of yet
1: in the u.s what they uh netflix uh reset the default uh compression rate to low so uh they didn't force it across everyone you can go into your settings and up the the uh broad the bandwith rate Uh, But they did reduce the default so that, by and large, it will reduce bandwidth usage.
2: Now, do you guys know if all of the cell phone carriers have taken away bandwidth limits or not? Like, I keep hearing Mm -hmm. all those rumors of, like... But I'm afraid, like I, I'm afraid I might have to stick to my giant one gig a month. But then I get excited at the process that I might I might get to watch a video on my phone one of these days.
1: <laughs> no, I have no idea. I I, uh, I personally use Google Fi, which has been uh, fantastic. I've got an unlimited plan with them, uh, and so uh,
2: they've been they've been great. Interesting. Yeah, because there's been lots of rumors about companies doing this and that, but. Um, i don't know for sure only not nerd knows for sure so that is true uh, <laughs> uh well uh before oh well uh, i have one more a couple more uh 19 stories including the return of dolphins to italy as the v- venice canals have cleared it's fake so as the coronavirus apex continues to spread across the world um the usually packed city of venice is now eerily quiet uh, and wildlife such as birds and uh, dolphins are returning to the canals and the canals are clear because those you've been there mark those canals yep. are fairly shallow correct
1: they're very shallow uh like up to nine feet ish kind of kind of deep but uh right. the um the pictures and, and videos of dolphins that you're seeing are actually from uh, uh sardinia not from oh no yeah they're not from venice at all
2: <laughs> oh no i don't have uh. I didn't set up
3: my fake news sounder. Oh well. Yeah, I, you I, are fake. I did see an article that the whole. <laughs> I saw an article that the whole point of the article was talking about how those stories you're reading about the wildlife in Venice are not true.
1: <laughs> so, hold so, on, hold on. <laughs> totally. So, uh, what we are seeing is uh, some reduction of. Uh, pollution. Mostly it's uh, no silt being drawn up as the canals
2: are so shallow that they're uh, they're always full of dirt. Honing in on is that it's not being twirled around as much and you can see some of the fish and wildlife maybe that are always in there. Totally.
1: And so you can see like little minnows swimming through the canals and everything. And it is remarkably clear water. And I've seen real Ven- venetian uh, photos of well and i've always water. called
2: minnows dolphins so that's <laughs> where i'm getting confused that, that so that's clears it, it all wasn't up. fake it wasn't it wasn't bad information after all <laughs> well as more and more things get shut down um this week and who knows what the answer will be by the time this comes out but they're trying to figure out if liquor stores and marijuana dispensaries are deemed as essential during these shutdowns because as we've heard that there are many places, including California, and I think Washington, some of the counties, if not the whole state by this point, um, uh, all what they call non-essential businesses have to close. And so um, in New York, uh, let's see, liquor liquor stores and restaurants are being uh, given waivers to enable them to deliver alcohol to customers. Uh, Los Angeles said that cannabis dispensaries with medical cannabis license will remain open uh, and in the nor- in San Francisco, there's been confusion um, and all that. I did see someone post something that was pointing out the kind of the bad communication from from a wh- – what are you holding up, Mark? A bag it's with oh. – My bag with all my caramels. <laughs> Your <laughs> emergency dispensaries, exactly. I guess. Um, oh, shoot. Now I forgot what I my was My edibles. What was I saying? Um, Sorry. What, what have I been taking edibles? I completely <laughs> forgot what I was talking about. Um, anyway, blah, blah, blah. So everything everything is being decided uh, right now. And we're also trying to discover the balance between what is freedom and what is... I mean, obviously, none of these things are jailable offenses for being out and about. But maybe...
1: Yeah, they... are. Uh, some countries in the world, they are, uh, and so there, uh, there's uh, like warnings and fines, and then uh, if you're doing things that are egregiously dangerous to other humans, uh, you know, they, uh, saw a video of a, a drunk young man take off his mask and lick the pole on the <laughs> subway, kind of kind of thing, and and he was jailed, like he was put into oh, in wow. jail because he was actively endangering other humans harm. yeah
2: right i did see another story i didn't i didn't pull it for the show about renegade teenagers sneezing on produce <laughs> which was the kind of
3: future headline that <laughs> is is pretty pretty amazing did you hear the uh mayor of warrenton oregon's uh response to all the tourists flocking to the coast uh, this weekend
2: Yeah, why don't you talk about that, Brian? Uh,
3: I didn't actually watch the response, but uh, Sarah told me that he was mighty fired up. I don't know, did you watch it? Yeah,
2: because everyone in in Oregon is either going down into the gorge or to the beach to avoid people, I guess, but these poor small towns that have to have this influx from all over the state now with thousands of people dragging their germs everywhere. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, I guess I can't blame people for being like, well, we can't be around people, I'll go to the beach. Like, that makes sense, but then everybody has everybody that same doesn't. idea. So Yeah, yeah.
1: and Man. so he issued a, a proclamation uh, that tourists have 24 hours to get out of Warrington, and Warrington's just located on the Oregon coast, just north of Seaside, just south of Astoria. And, yeah, uh, and there's
2: like 11 people that live there. It's not like yeah, it's, it's a, California coastal giant Newport Beach or something right, like no, no. that. It's, like, it's a very small town. The mayor and his dog. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, what else to wait? Oh, during, I, I'm hoping to compile more information as this goes on about what different things are starting to trend and become popular again. I, I, Mark, you played R.E.M.'s It's the End of the World as We Know It at the end of last show. That has, uh, I forget what chart it's on, or what what number it's at now, but it was at, like, number 40, like last wednesday so that's re-entering that's re-entering the charts as well as illegal downloads of contagion <laughs> so uh the Verge torrent freak week. did you i i was going to but then all the torrents were down so i didn't uh but they we the and torrent freak uh part <laughs> well aren't you the best american uh i am not Uh, But there is a survey that the rise of people downloading Contagion between January 1 and March 4, uh, before January 24, uh, that it was being torrented about 200 times per day globally. Then on January 25, the next day, it jumped to over 1,500. So um, it started spiking in January 31, and uh, it continues to – continues. And every every article I I read about it was like, don't watch this. If you're already afraid don't watch this. <laughs> totally. It does uh <clears throat> it holds up surprisingly well. What year
1: was that? 2003 or 2013?
2: Uh, yeah, 2000, I don't know. I cut it out of the article. Okay. Um, so I don't know.
1: <clears throat> it's been around for years, uh but yeah. uh it it does read like uh a scary documentary, if you will. Like it's yeah, it's it's terrifying. It's a Don't Steven, watch it.
2: It's Steven Soderbergh movie, so it's, it's, it's I remember it being good at the time. It seems so far-fetched.
3: <laughs> I, I love that. I think the last time that uh, The End of the World as We Know It started to chart was when Independence Day came out.
2: Oh, oh funny.
1: Interesting. So
2: do you know, does anyone here hear some trivia that you, you probably know, what is the, I believe it's the only... A song to reemerge either to number one or high on the charts, th- uh, three different, maybe four different times, uh, since I'll I'll say nineteen the nineteen seventies. Uh, party
1: like it's nineteen ninety nine.
2: No. Candle in the wind. Uh, no, but that probably would have done twice. Uh, it is uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. So oh, it came right, out, right, right. Yep. Wayne's World, it became number one again because it was on the Wayne's World soundtrack. Yep. And now it's back with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie. So huh. you know, it keeps re-entering the charts. We're going to uh, have a, a little callback
1: to Bohemian Rhapsody a little later in the
2: show. Oh, it's a guarantee. <laughs> it's a guarantee. Right, well, I have one more story. Another end of the era playboy is going to halt regular print editions. So this week's spring issue will be the last for the Men's Lifestyle magazine, which has struggled in the recent years, even before the 2017 death of founder Hugh Hefner. Uh, The publication, which published monthly, uh, as recently as 2017, will embark on, quote, a digital first publishing schedule for all of our content, including the Playboy interview, uh, 20Q, which must be like a 20 questions thing, the Playboy Advisor and, of course, our Playmate Pictorials, they said. So they've been trying to rebrand and do overhauls for the last couple of years. But uh, nobody really has a need for uh, Playboy magazine anymore. Although, to be fair, over the I don't know about this last decade or two, but the Playboy interview was always considered like the the interview for journalistic standards and getting things out of people and stuff like that. It was always a, a very. A very important part if you were on doing any press to to have that under your belt to do a big Playboy
3: interview. So Hashtag now was,
2: thanks, Pornhub. <laughs> Speaking of businesses that are doing well. <laughs> <Right>.
3: <laughs> now was that announcement in the works before the coronavirus?
2: It doesn't say it specifically, but probably. I mean it's been on its deathbed for years, so I imagine that would have happened anyway. Um but
3: probably this is a nice excuse to say like see
2: it wasn't our it wasn't our fault
3: no so. that's the thing that you know scares me to a certain extent is the number of things that are going to shut down because of coronavirus and then ultimately do not come back yeah um you know and they just sort of use that as like well i guess this was the time and you know we have no idea right now what's not going to come back i wondered if there's going <clears> to <throat> be
2: be a whole new insurance wing of Virus insurance Mm -hmm. for businesses and for things that you're like, oh, well, we have earthquake insurance or we have, you know, weather insurance, I don't know what else they have, but I would imagine that it's like, oh, like if you can buy insurance to make it through two or three months of something like this, then that seems like that would be a something that was worth
3: adding to your insurance policy. So my COVID prediction uh, that I thought of last night is that uh, one day there will be a covid-19 drama shelf in movie madness.
2: <laughs> that's probably true. We can we should make the first the first entry somehow and just
3: tell them to just get first to market
2: <laughs> films on location at the bins. Uh, but that's all the news uh, things that I kind of cobbled together. There's like I said not much else to talk about other than um, the virus and everything else I had gets folded into a wheel of Wikipedia. So uh, do you have anything else, else, Mark?
1: No, I didn't. Uh, I was uh, really looking forward to today's show as we are going to do a wiki war and uh, yes. at the wheel of Wikipedia. And we've done this before to good ends. And I, I believe that uh, we're, we're refining the process. So we've, we are. we've created... Uh, seven categories and uh, Todd and myself have each researched uh, Wikipedia entries that are referenced uh, that meet these criteria in an exemplary way and uh, Brian is here to judge and uh, using his own criteria so Brian what are your criteria for a winning Wikipedia entry so if we have a, a, a uh, category of Americana, and each of us come up with an idea, uh, who's going to win? What, what do you base your uh, scoring on?
3: So, and this is
2: the first time that you've been the judge, correct, Brian? It is,
3: and I, I think I'm probably the one who came up with the idea that you should have a judge. I um, think so. And this is my first time, so I'm very excited. Um, the way that I'm approaching this, I am. this is an easy job for me. I'm just sitting back waiting to be entertained, and whoever <laughs> can entertain me the most is going to get the point Right.
2: And I think I wonder if in the future we should have uh, the guest judge come up with the categories, although the categorization was was kind of tough. And so we I, I kept it kind of broad. And so it really could be and probably will be uh, anything. Well, so. with
1: the with the history of the Wiki War, uh, what we have done in the past is we basically just each. uh tossed out a wikipedia entry and then we just collaboratively decided on which one was the best the last time that we did it um i had you present one and i would counter it with uh a challenger if you will and uh kind and of similar
2: w- in theme and it worked right, really well worked even well we didn't plan and so it that now
1: way. now we're uh what i had uh you had been uh curating your wikipedia entries for a while and i asked you for the categories of your entries and i am yeah. presenting challengers
2: yep i'm i'm watching myself on the video screen here and the beautiful sun catcher that brian and sarah got me is now reflecting on my shirt and i've been just delighting <laughs> in the rainbows
0: <laughs> the so, Rainbow okay planet. well
2: i'll do we want uh should we just go down the list or do we want to pick by category what do we how do we want to do that yeah, well, like what we don't, said we have what six categories? Or seven categories. Seven categories. Why don't you list off the categories, Todd? Okay. So we have historical objects, animal kingdom, people, uh, grab bag, which is uh, kind of choose your own, you can do anything, uh, some sort of church history, any church, any religion, something that has to do with, uh, with uh, religious uh, history, uh, language, and Americana. Awesome.
3: So do so, I get to uh, pick first?
2: Yeah, <laughs> why, don't you go, why don't you pick Brian, something? Yeah. I'll get started pick, there. Pick
3: All everywhere. right. Uh, let's lose our audience. Let's go for uh, church.
2: <laughs> okay, for church, I had... Let me scroll up to it. I had a short list of patron saints... Nice. So uh, there are a surprising amount of patron saints for a surprising amount of things. So I came up with a little list of some, uh, of some of them, and I tried to find ones for each of you, too. So we have more obvious ones like Joan of Arc, who is the patron saint of soldiers. Then we get into things like uh, St. Christopher, who is the uh, patron saint of travelers, bookbinders, gardeners, mariners, drivers, and surfers. <laughs> Then we, uh, we have uh, patron saint Vitus, who is the saint of comedians and dancers. We have one for lighthouse keepers. That would be Verena. And let's see. For Marx, Marx would be uh, Saint Isidore of Seville, who is the patron saint of computer scientists, software engineers, computer programmers, computer technicians, computer users, and then oddly school children and students. <laughs> so um, – Brian, let's see. You would be, I would say, what, under the scientist category. What would you? What? What? What category do you want to be, Brian?
3: I'll see if I is. Is there not a patron saint of Unipipers
2: there and I did look for unicycling. there is not. so that is an open that is an open market for you, Brian. So
3: how does this process work? Like is there a committee that uh, oh, we need a patron saint of social media now? <laughs> and and then... I'm
2: not sure because
3: I I don't know much about
2: uh, Catholicism or the Catholic Church, but I think in order to become a saint, you have to have performed, like there's a lot three of three miracle and like yeah, there's, there's this criteria.
1: big criteria yeah there's a lot of criteria and uh and there's a uh many years long vetting process uh that happens with many committees
2: and i mean it took uh, saint valentine forever to become the patron saint of beekeeping so <laughs> just and Lid- lidwina's journey to be the patron saint of ice skaters was harrowing so you mean that triple Axel was a miracle?
3: You mean that's not Brian Boitano?
2: <laughs> I mean, I think you have to be dead in order to be a saint. That was going to be my next Or question. maybe that's yeah, true. not true. I don't know. You have Actually, to be I dead to be on a stamp, forever.
3: though. I think, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: uh. and for like 20 years, I think you have to be there. Um, I'll give a couple others here. There's uh, Columbanus, the patron saint of motorcyclists. Uh, the patron saint of actors, comedians, clowns, dancers, and theatrical performers is uh, St. Genesius, and let's see, let's do one more, uh, St. Cajetan, patron saint of right now, uh, which is unemployed and job seekers. So.
3: so is there a catalog of saints that you can uh, order through the mail and then choose your patron saint? Like, how do people, I wonder, an official I wonder list? If they,
2: I wonder if they all get their own, like, grocery store candles, too. Like if The there's grocery a warehouse store candles,
1: there are trading cards. Uh, they're, they're, oh, are, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's, – they're not called trading cards, but there are cards <laughs> that you can put on your dashboard and, and, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, I have seen uh, technology people with um, – who is the uh, patron saint of um, software engineering? I, uh, I've seen like a little statue on people's.
2: Isidore death. of Seville.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, more more tongue in cheek than than uh, anything else, I believe. But uh,
2: and yeah. some of them, I, I, I would like to look into the history of some of them, because some of them are very straightforward, like Bernadine of Siena is just for advertisers. It's like, all right. And, you know, you get that category. But then Anthony the Abbot is patron saint of basket makers, grave diggers, butchers, swine herds, and motorists. Awesome. It's like, I don't know, maybe at the end of the century, you have to, like, oh, we have all these unfulfilled categories. Uh, <laughs> Fill so that up. Just put it in there. It's
1: like a two yeah, for one. Yeah, or like in corporate America, when you're really good at something, they just keep on giving you tasks, and so they're like the really good person is doing all the work, and the the people that are kind of crappy at their jobs don't get anything, uh, and so so the good saints are getting like the whole list of things. So I uh, were there any others? Nope, that's is that. There that, so were a lot, but I noticed that you ones. did not include. The mistaken patron saint, uh, and her name was Wilgefortis, Will Will uh, patron saint Wilgefortis, was initially deemed a saint and was later refuted and removed as a saint. So, Oh, no! So the mistaken identity of Saint Will Uh Is this your entry, she, Mark? This is my entry. No, yes. Look
2: at him matching my patron
1: saints. <laughs> so, I, I go one-to-one here. <laughs> so, so in medieval times, um, the uh, image of Christ on the cross was sometimes wearing robes instead of what we in the West normally see as loincloths. Okay. So um, what, what as that transitioned to uh, like England and everything, they're like, what is this woman doing on the cross is it uh christ's body looked very feminine because he's wearing a dress we're all transphobic to the core <laughs> totally so is that uh,
2: jesus wearing a dress
1: <laughs> it, not totally. my america <laughs> exactly and so what they did is they they created a patron saint of a bearded woman uh <laughs> named will Gifortis. so uh um, and they created a whole mythology around it, and this was later refuted uh, in the 1600s, and then in 1969 was r- officially removed from the list of, of patron saints. Wow. Um, but the the story goes that there was a lady, and she, uh, her father, was planning to have her, uh, was forcing her to marry a pagan king. And so she prayed that she would made, be made repulsive so that uh, she wouldn't have to marry. And she woke up the next morning with a beard. And uh, because uh, the engagement broke off, her father had her crucified. And oh, so, no. And Jeez. so the, uh, the patron saint of Wilga Fortis was a bearded woman on the cross <laughs> and um, and was later refuted and and found to not be something. So uh, yeah, you can go to the Wikipedia wow. entry for Wilgafortis and learn all about the her and
3: uh, her not actually existing. So what was she the patron saint of though?
1: Uh, that's <laughs> uh, she ladies. was the brave virgin, and so she was. Uh, <laughs> uh, so she was considered the uh saint of the catch uh, distinguished Large uh, Beard um, so
3: this is uh, madonna wrote like a virgin about her then. <laughs> exactly. exactly
2: the bearded wilberforce or whatever her name was
1: um i am looking for what she was the it, it does not does not <laughs> reference exactly what it has saint been stricken she, from the record it, it totally has yeah. And I
3: so wonder who we'll, they gave her we'll duties to. Oh,
2: yeah. Well, that's maybe where these other people come in, where it's like they take away the uh, the sainthood of one person and then give surfers, athletes, and pilots all <laughs> the same as <laughs> to this exactly. same one. All nice. right.
3: So we have Todd with a incomplete list of patron saints, uh, some that you might not have heard of. Um, and then we have Mark just completely one-upping time <laughs> with this amazing story that you would see, the topic of a You Never Knew YouTube video. Yes, um, yes. I, I think I'm clapping for Mark's victory. Mark <laughs> is clapping. getting the point here. Well done. Well done, sir. That was well earned.
2: All right. Well, should I just go down? Let's do historic objects. Perfect. So I have... Uh, the plague masks I was curious about uh, mm. now that we're having this outbreak fever, so to speak, you see a lot of the um those old uh, masks that kind of look like bird they have the big bird beak looking things that you saw um. No. So plague masks were uh, masked with bird-like beak to protect them from being infected by deadly diseases such as the Black Death, which is believed to be airborne. Uh, in fact, they thought disease was spread by miasma, which is a noxious form of, quote, bad air. And to, uh, to battle that imaginary threat, the long beak was packed with sweet smells such as dried flowers, herbs, and spices. Uh, however... Though the beak, ba- the beak mask has become an iconic symbol of the Black Death, there is no evidence it was actually worn during that 14th century uh, epidemic. Medical historians have in fact attributed its invention to the beak doctor costume, uh, oh, what they call the beak doctor costume, to a French doctor named Charles de Lorme in 1619. He designed the bird mask to be worn with a large waxen coat as a form of head to toe protection. Uh, the costume was worn by plague doctors during the plague of 1656, which killed 145,000 people in Rome and 300,000 people in Naples. Wow. So, there is a little history of the plague mask.
1: So, <clears throat> I, I didn't have a specific response for uh, the plague mask, but I do have this. So, let me okay. share a little image with you. Ooh.
2: Uh, one so this is, is called. This <laughs> is called a dental key. Oh, I don't like that at all. It's got like a. Uh, uh.
1: <laughs> so a dental key was used from the mid 1700s until the early 1900s, when tooth extraction became uh, more of a science and less of uh, a barbaric uh, uh, ex- example of, of terrorism. So this. Is has a little hook on the end and a shaft and then a kind of looks like a corkscrew handle, if you will. And uh, so they would, if you had an infected tooth, you would have this. Uh, the, the dentist would attach this item to your tooth and then twist and rip it out. Oh. Uh, and it... Um, Caused sepsis and <laughs> that, uh, other crazy. That caused the most <laughs> amount of pain in the entire the most world. amount of pain because a lot of uh, like general anesthesia wasn't uh, really prominent, uh, and so they would yeah you know, liquor you up and uh, rip out your broken or uh, you know, otherly maligned tooth with uh. a dental
2: key. Liquor, I barely knew her. <laughs> Yeah, that will be our that will be our 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 image for this week's show, by the way. So everybody gets to experience the pain Perfect. of just even looking at that thing. Yeah, it's it's fine. <laughs> All right, Brian, what say you Pla- the history of the plague mask or the
3: horrifying dental key
2: that looks like it's made out of wrought
3: iron? So in terms of personal entertainment value, uh, I learned nothing from Todd because I had that same question that was probably in Todd's mind, and I read that entire article myself last year because I wanted to know more about the plague mask, Um, so I had no itch to be scratched there. Uh, Mark, on the other hand, viscerally made me feel something uh, with that image. Uh, and it, it reminded me of like the bloodletting device that they would also employ back. That in, was, back ooh, in that was my second. That. that was honestly the bloodletting
1: blood device. devices, uh, with which are scarich <laughs> uh, scarichur. Uh, I I can't remember the the exact word.
2: What is the bloodletting shoe? So it's uh, a little uh, box. Do I need to see it to yep. understand um, it? Uh, hold on. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we're having dual Called pictures. A, or, a Todd. Uh, uh,
3: Todd, you know those uh, devices? It's like a little box, and it does nothing, and you push the button, and then a little yep, hand. a useless yeah. box. So it kind of reminds me of one of those, but you do that, but instead it, it pokes you, and it, you start bleeding.
2: <laughs> yeah, so... Le- Are these modern devices, no. or this is what no, they no, used to was, do for, like, bloodletting? No, this buying? was
1: bloodletting, and so if you... Um,
2: <clears throat> when you had to go to Theodoric of yeah, York, so Medieval Barber. You- oh my gosh, it, it looks like... <laughs> It looks like a little music <laughs>
1: box with blades coming out of the bottom. And so, out of the bottom of it, it looks like
2: something you'd see in the movie Cube. Yeah, Did it. you ever see yeah. that? So Ryan?
1: Would, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the little handle on top would load them. And so they're spring loaded. So you would pull <laughs> that back. So the blades were inside. And then.
2: You, this is a deep cut, but it looks kind of like a bulky racer. Like uh, a, a bulk magnetic tape eraser, uh, you could see one in Fight Club briefly, but it's just that big chunk of something. And this one has blades that come out of the right. bottom. Right. So. <laughs> Jeez. And so.
1: Uh- If you didn't have a leech on on hand, you could use one of these (laughs) to do a little bloodletting.
2: Although the medical uses of leeches is making a comeback. I think we had a couple stories about that over the years, how they're finding properties in the saliva of leeches that are antibacterials. Scarificator
1: uh, scarificator is uh, what that that thing is. And that was my second choice. that that came up.
2: That's pretty great.
1: So
3: that's yeah. uh, Mark two <laughs> Todd zero.
2: Oh <laughs> uh, well, I'm finally on the other side of the on the other side of the bench here because I think I won the first you two round. Did. I don't know how many yeah. times we've done this, but I think I, I think did. in previous uh, well, ones on. I actually oh, yeah.
1: um, in in the second uh, one that we had I actually brought up one that I had
2: in the first one just because I forgot about it. Yeah, yeah. good times. Totally. These are the only, I believe, the only episodes of the Mark and Toddcast that I've kind of gone back <laughs> and listened to was the one where Brian did his uh, Episode. Uh, origins of the of songs, you know, and then the couple of Wiki mm-hmm. Wars. Uh, well, let's move on to the Animal Kingdom, which now I'm Should thinking I? I, this is not also not going to be a surprise. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why well, Why you this go first, Mark? So,
1: go. Um, are you familiar with the Naked Neck Chicken? So, I don't like that. He- so, like the headless Milt chicken, naked neck, and so uh, much much okay. uh, less scary. So, a naked neck chicken is a breed of chicken that <laughs> more visual, <laughs> cool. visual. Aids. Oh my
2: gosh! It's- I don't like it. It's got a, it's got no... Pe- <laughs> this is like the most visual epic. Go to the Mark and Todd gets on on Facebook and you will see all of these so, horrifying things that so Mark is So the naked posting. neck chicken
1: is a chicken that doesn't have feathers on its neck. And... <sighs>
2: oh yeah so it's like when you when you throw the throw the entire chicken in the crock pot to like make broth and there's like the big weird chicken neck yep. thing imagine a real chicken head on the end of that but just, just that that part. Yeah, just, just that part. it looks like oh. somebody
3: has plucked the feathers from the chicken's <laughs> neck totally
2: chickens and turkeys are so ugly I mean what even are they look, look at, at that the thing. waddle on that thing and the, the crest I don't want the... that at all <laughs>
1: the ear flap down there (laughs) yeah Uh, so uh the naked neck chicken and um uh some things uh the naked neck chicken is um it's a breed of chicken that's naturally devoid of feathers on the neck and vent (laughs) so (laughs) it's
2: originally from transylvania Uh. of all places
1: uh where the neck would be exposed for vampires
2: Does it does it say that there's like a reason for or is this like the fainting goat where it's just like an aberration of nature that we've somehow created? on The trait
1: for a naked neck is a dominant one in uh, genetics uh, controlled by one gene is fairly easy to introduce into other breeds. And so, um, whoa, no, there's no reason.
2: (laughs) Just for the amusement of mankind, I guess. All right, well, I'm uh, going to counter that with Wobbly Hedgehog, hedgehog Syndrome, uh, which <laughs> is a disease that slowly degrades the hedgehog's muscle control. So uh, the first it, it first appears as a wobble while the hedgehog is attempting to stand still. Over time, the hedgehog will lose control over all the muscles of the rear of its body uh, to the front. Um, the hedgehog's health will deteriorate, blah, blah, blah. So this is one of the almost one of the only things that hedgehogs get. They're immune hmm. to most other things. I'm not going to say how much because I haven't looked that part up, but they're immune to almost everything except wobbly hedgehog disease, which is the actual name, or wedg- wobbly hedgehog syndrome, excuse which me. I think so there is no <coughs> treatment. I think Isabel might have that. <laughs> sure. Well, <laughs> it's, it's related to multiple sclerosis. Uh, and so, yeah, just like in large dogs, too, how they're – they have hip dysplasia mm-hmm. or those other things. It's probably the hedgehog equivalent of
3: that. So an uh, adorable name for an adorable creature. Do, do not uh, search for Wobbly Hedgehog Syndrome oh, no. on, on YouTube.
2: Oh, no. Oh. It's, it's
3: all of these people that are like, my hedgehog is dying. Oh, no. Oh, no.
0: no. <laughs> uh, uh.
3: Um, Gosh, I wish that was as entertaining as fainting goats and not so sad, <laughs> sad right?
2: <laughs> I know that one is a little depressing. It's no, it's no featherless chicken
3: neck. Oh, geez, this is a tough one. All right, so we've got naked chicken neck, <laughs> naked neck chicken, or the very sad the... but happy sounding wobbly hedgehog syndrome. I know that's the irony of wobbly hedgehog syndrome. <laughs> um. Hmm. I think I'm gonna have to go with. I'm gonna give it to the wobbly hedgehogs because all right, they're probably you know they, they could, they use, could a little use a morale little, boost use a little exposure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: solid. Well, and and without the visuals, especially because that I, the chicken would take it in a in a head to head visual battle. But um, all right. Well, up next, let's see. We have uh, people. People. So Mark, you want to take oh, people? Oh yeah.
1: So, have you ever heard of the young French man from the late 1700s named Tarare?
2: Yes, because that is actually my is entry. It really?
3: Wah 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 wah. Woo! <laughs> 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 so,
0: so I'll give you some notes about what right. I
1: found about Tarare, and then Todd will
2: okay, good. will
3: share his. <laughs>
2: Fill in the, fill you realize
3: the you realize that there have been in the existence of the planet Earth, there's been something like twenty billion people to have ever lived. <laughs> but wait till you hear about Terari. You had to pick
2: the same one out of all of humankind. That's really amazing. So Terari. And, and now, had you, Mark, <laughs> yeah. before you start, have you heard have no. you heard of him before no.
3: or not? Okay, me either. <laughs> That's so. Funny. Did you both search like unusual people?
1: We must have. Uh, And remember, he gave me the category. And so I was looking (laughs) for, uh,
2: to be fair, is just just people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So uh,
2: in France,
1: towards the the late uh, 1700s, so he was kicked out of his house at the age of 17 because he would eat everything in sight, every uh, anything and everything. And uh, his family could not support him anymore. Uh, so they kicked him out at the age of 17. He became a sideshow freak. He would eat small animals, eels, cats, dogs, solid objects like corks and stones. Uh, and then uh, the, the business dried up because of the start of the French Revolution. So the French Revolution, he was recruited and believed that he could be used for espionage. Uh, it's, it's notable to uh, to know that he um, always had a fever. Uh, he was hot to the touch, and he stunk <laughs> like high heaven. Uh, people, uh, there's there's one document uh, in a medical journal that said that you could smell him from 20 paces away, and uh, he was uh, just terribly smelt. He was not overweight, Not though. overweight, yeah, he was uh, shockingly yeah. underweight, uh, but he would yeah. eat just enormous amounts of food. So they recruited him to, for espionage, And they they ran a test uh, back at at the base and they they put a small box uh, with a message inside the box. They had him eat the box and then it would pass through him. And uh, then some poor schmuck had to uh, sift through uh, his excrements and find that box and pull out the message. And now, young boy, (laughs) I pass this watch to you. (laughs) So they wanted to. It it was uh, the French. Uh, versus the Prussians, uh, yeah, you know, predecessors to Germans, and so that, uh, speaking German and everything, they had him disguised as a Prussian peasant, and were sending him across lines to send a message to uh, the generals, in, you know, uh, inside the uh, uh, the war zone. But because of his lack of the ability to speak German and his atrocious stench, uh, he became a target and they they quickly discovered that he was neither a uh, Prussian nor a peasant. And uh, so they tortured him to find it. You know, they, they figured out he's a spy. And so they tortured him and he quickly sang like a bird. And uh gave him all of the information and so they strapped him to a latrine to wait for the message to pass. Uh, they found the <laughs> message and the
2: I didn't read and the that message
1: <laughs> uh, when it uh, passed it they found the message inside the box and the note simply said to the recipient, let us know if Terrari had delivered it successfully because they did not trust him. For any espionage, wow. and uh, and so they, that had been another test that he
2: failed. Uh, <laughs> he died at the age of 27. Wow, and it, What's funny about this is that I like, I did not get my information from this. It's a lot of the same information, but it's not like we picked right. the same article. Even we have two different. So I'll fill in some of the blanks. Um, so, like we said, he was of normal size and appearance, other than his his smell. Uh, so, after he was caught, he was beaten and underwent a mock execution before he was returned mm-hmm. to uh, France. So, then when he got to France, uh, nobody still nobody could figure out uh, what he was doing. They tried a couple procedures. Uh, that didn't work. Uh, after suspected of eating... <laughs> so, I'm sorry. After being suspected of eating a toddler, he was ejected from the hospital. Uh, and... <laughs> <laughs> he might have. So, uh, and, and more, this poor guy, because it goes on and on about his, uh, his his appearance, he was described as having unusually soft, fair hair and an abnormally wide mouth in which his teeth were heavily stained and which his lips were almost invisible. Mm. When he had not eaten, his skin would hang so loose that he would wrap the fold of his skin from his abdomen around his waist. <laughs> when full, his abdomen would distend like a huge balloon. So he uh, was hot to the touch and sweated heavily. He had foul body order. And there's some great quotes about his smell. So um, it, the smell would get worse after he would eaten. Uh, after he'd eaten, his eyes and cheeks would become bloodshot. Visible vapor would rise from his body. <laughs> during the time he would be, no- <laughs> and he would become lethargic, during which time he would belch noisily and his jaws would make swallowing motions. Uh, he was described to be, quote, fetid beyond all conception.
3: I am picturing so. this person <laughs> illustrated by the guy that did the illustrations in the scary stories to tell in the dark books. 100%.
1: 100%. Or like Shell Silver. So I'm, I'm
3: also picturing him walking up to the general in the war or something to be like, Sir, a message for you. And then he immediately drops his pants and just takes a giant shit in front of the king. message for you, sir. <laughs> yeah, a message for you, sir. Uh, uh, oh, my gosh. Well, I guess that round is a wash. A but uh, Perfect tie. Wow. Uh, the point would have gone. I would have given it to either one of you. Uh...
2: <laughs> Regardless of who else did what. All right. So Hooray, Mark Prince two, Shaman. Todd one. Yep. Uh, uh all right
1: finish with grab bag uh uh so let's not do grab bag yet um you want to do americana uh sure
2: let's figure out what i did to categorize that um let's see so let's go to crush texas uh, Crush, Texas was a temporary city established as the site of a one-day publicity uh, publicity stunt in 1896 uh, by a man named William George Crush. He worked for the Missouri-Kansas-Texas Railroad, uh, and he was going to... Uh, stage a train wreck which two gigantic locomotives pulling several railroad cars crash head-on in front of each other in front of the public <laughs> as a gigantic spectacle. <laughs> so an estimated of 40,000 people, more that even lived in the state's second largest city, uh, arrived at the exhibition in September 15, 1896. <laughs> so uh, they had reached out, the railroad had uh, reached out to this man named Crush uh, to, in order to... Uh, uh, Russell up name uh, recognition for him. So he put on this publicity stunt. They have some amazing, the, the crash went on the head. And probably if you've seen any footage of a collision of two trains hitting each other head on, it is probably from uh, the crush Texas uh, demonstration. So it goes into a little bit more about how they set up the small city and <laughs> um, On the day of the uh, exhibition, railroad officials staged a speed test to help predict the price uh, point of collision. They set the boilers. Each engine would pull six boxcars behind it. Um, Crush insisted on restricting the general public to a minimum of 200 yards away, but allowed members of the press press to be within 100 yards. Um, About 5 p.m., two trains uh, pulling cars loaded with railroad ties slowly met in the middle and uh, to be photographed and then they rolled back, headed at each other at 45 miles per hour and collided in a gigantic explosion. Uh, debris was blown hundreds of feet into the air and panic quickly broke out in the crowd <laughs> as they turned to run. So imagine that uh, exploding whale yeah they always show yes. except with uh, railroad cars and railroad ties. Um, so some of the debris came down. It did kill two spectators and seriously injured six others. Um, a photographer lost an eye to a flying bolt, and the locomotives and their boxcars were reduced to scraps of wood and steel. So the man, uh, William Crush, was immediately fired from the Katy Railroad, but... In lack of any negative publicity, they hired him back the next day. So <laughs> he had a career spanning six decades. Wow. So they, the railroad settled some lawsuits with the families of the crash uh, and the injured. So that is Crush, Texas, wow. the site of the two famous railroad cars crashing into each other to the super horror of onlookers. Super famous, yeah. Uh, it's- so did that town exist before? Did they
3: make a town called Crush? No, Fitness? they
2: did it. Yeah, they did it probably along the railroad line in the middle of nowhere because it was named after William Crush, who was the person that put it on. So it was kind of in the middle of nowhere, but more than 40,000 people showed up. It was sort of the um, the run on Area 51 of its time, <laughs> how uh, just a bunch of people showed up in the desert <laughs> to see a thing. So Rednecks.
1: Oh, uh, right. Yes, <laughs> yeah, Probably the same group of people. Um mm-hmm. uh so if you're ever in Pocatello Idaho make sure to visit the Museum of Clean. So uh a <laughs> man named Don Aslett opened the Museum of Clean. Uh it's a six in a six-story building in Pocatello Idaho. The museum features 6,000 historical artifacts related to cleanliness. Some of the unique items include a horse-drawn vacuum cleaner from 1902 an early washing machine (laughs) from 1945, and a 1600-year-old bronze toothpick. Uh, Interactive exhibits teach children how to recycle, clean their room, make their bed, and sweep. In addition to teaching recycling, the museum also has information about how to reduce waste. It costs $6 million to establish a museum and six years to assemble its collection. Uh,
2: Six million million, dollars.
1: Currently closed to prevent the dirty spread of COVID nineteen coronavirus. (laughs) Wouldn't that be ironic? (laughs) Pokey Idaho.
2: There is a fascinating and uh, um, episode of that that show how we got to now. That we've done a couple shows based off of that about the
3: history of cleaning and antibiotics
2: and all that stuff. That's super fascinating. Mm -hmm. So go look that up if if you have a chance.
3: (laughs) Well, damn, that's interesting. Um, I gotta say, this is probably the toughest one yet. Um, but in terms of sheer spectacle, I think the the train crush is, is uh, got the edge. Wow, nice. So, <laughs> so wow. Wow. brings things up to a tie.
1: Okay. How many so categories how many, are left now? I think we, we have, have two, two categories. categories, and so um, uh, let me let me launch into the category of language. So um, have you ever heard of the word, the English word dord, D-O-R-D?
3: No, No. because you
1: haven't, because it's not a word, although it was in the dictionary. So the Merriam-Webster Dictionary had a typo for three years. Uh, There was (laughs) a, uh, (laughs) what happened was there's an abbreviation for the word density, and one of the appropriate abbreviations is the letter D and the letter D could be either capital or lowercase. And so the <laughs> message was passed from one from one department to the other of D or D, uh, so, so D-O-R-D, uh, meaning uh, density. And so it's a noun meaning density. And so it was placed in the Merriam-Webster dictionary for three years until uh, uh, one of the editors noticed that it didn't have an entomology and so they went to seek out the entomology of dord and they figured out that it was literally a typo in
2: the dictionary and so uh they then i did go to college at a place called dort which is d-o-r-d-t real word well i guess not a real word but a word. word and so can i have it used in a sentence Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I went to (laughs) Dort. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, my entry for the category of language is something called semantic satiation. So semantic satiation is a psychological phenomenon Mm -hmm. in which the repetition Mm -hmm. of words causes a word or phrase to temporarily lose meaning. Uh, extended inspection or analysis uh, in place of the repetition also produces the same effect. So this is basically when doored, you're like, doored, uh, doored, doored, doored. Doored, doored. <laughs> that word no longer has meaning like it used to. But yeah, so when you repeat a word and you're like, oh, that doesn't even sound like it has meaning anymore. So huh? an explanation, an explanation for the phenomenon is that the cortex... In the cortex, verbal repetition repeatedly arouses a specific neural pattern that corresponds to the meaning of the word. So rapid repetition makes both the peripheral sensor motor activity and central neural activity fire repeatedly. And that causes a little bit of incident, uh, inhibition, thus a reduction in the intensity of the activity that is being repeated. Wow. So it basically kind of dulls that sense just a little bit because it's like hitting a piano key over and over and over and it just kind of starts tuning out.
3: Yeah. I've totally uh, had that Gordon. experience. Yeah. And yeah. The, to know that it actually has a name. Semantic satiation. Damn, that's, that's interesting. Um, okay, wow, what a great round, you guys um, <laughs> Mark's was thoroughly interesting I, I love that story But I feel like Todd has entirely scratched an itch for me That I didn't know I had Wow um, nice. So I will now be able to say that I'm having semantic satiation
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> That everything I says has no meaning um, So I think for the first time this round, Todd is taking the lead Wow
2: nice well no i think we're oh yep. yeah three to four three i guess four? so i guess we have two categories left because we did seven we so had we had one other that we yeah yeah so we have one wait what do we have left
1: we we have
2: oh i have a historical object no way no, i did, did that. that no
1: it's the category that's left I is have,
2: grab bag oh okay maybe that's what oh, i guess my, my so, only story left
3: so we should figure out what to do in case there is a tie <laughs>
2: Well, we have seven categories. So, which one are we missing? We've done historical objects, three, we've done three animal kingdom, we've done people. Three, three. Yeah, and you and you guys t- oh, a that's tie. right. We had a tie. Oh, that's right. Okay. So, yeah, one more, I guess. Dang, Nabbit, this is my worst one. I mean, it's <laughs> this my is best my one. It's
1: my best one. So, um, <laughs> all right. Well, you, who, what right, don't you, who goes why first? don't you lead off? Because mine has uh, an audio component to it.
2: Oh, great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, mine is an object called an acoustic mirror. Now, Mm -hmm. an acoustic mirror is a passive device used to reflect and uh, concentrate sound waves by using a parabolic uh, microphone. So, what these are... Um, this was before Radar when they were trying to listen in kind of uh, around World War One. This is before World War II and the invention of Radar. So they wanted early warning devices around the coast of Great Britain with the aim of detecting incoming enemy aircraft by the sounds of their engines. Um, it looks sort of like if Stonehenge, uh, it, they're just big rocks with like a parabolic shape carved out of them to collect sound. So... They could not move. They were aimed in one direction. And of course, they were wildly. (laughs) By the time you heard an airplane coming through it, (laughs) the airplane was already there. Uh, So but uh, scattered around uh, England, uh, one of the most famous ones, which is the Dungeness mirror, is known colloquially as the listening ears. It's three large concrete reflectors built in the 1920s. Uh, The reflectors are those aren't parabolic, but they're actually spherical they have limited effectiveness and uh like i said they would detect the airplanes too late so you can also use these things to make what are called whisper dishes uh and if you've ever been to the um the what is it i was gonna say church of scientology uh, the church of science what's that one called uh they have just ah, they have the newspaper they a science a Christian monitor, Science monitor, Christian science, the Christian Science, yeah. The, there's a there's a main building for uh, Christian Scientists, and it has this giant room that is just <gasps> a big circle, and you can stand mm. at like way far ends, and you can whisper, and way at the other end, you can hear the same thing because of uh, how it's. Uh, so you can be separated by hundreds of meters, and you can still uh, hear one person whisper. Is uh, that in
3: Boston? At the other end.
2: It might be. They've got one in San where Diego to, as well, yeah. It probably
3: yeah. is. I've, I've been to one of those in Boston. Yeah, they're really cool. Yeah, yeah,
2: and I just remember, it's like it's kind of like the X-Men. You walk, mm-hmm. uh, you're walking on a path, and then you're surrounded. So like you're not on a floor. You're going through the middle yes. of like, the Epcot Center bubble or right. whatever that thing is. And you're just standing, and it totally feels like Cerebro or whatever that thing yep. is. So anyway, they cool. used concrete versions of that around England uh, before radar was invented. And so, how many of those are around England? Um, probably a couple dozen. Uh, I saw, at least I saw a picture of a couple dozen. So there's uh, like a, con- uh, a grouping of three. Uh, so they would probably build groups of them faced in different directions, I would imagine, since you could not turn the giant piece of stone that it was carved out of. So Cool. Nice. Parabolic acoustics. Very, very yeah. cool. Um,
1: let me know, can you hear this if I play this? Can
2: you
0: hear this? Learn at the yes. Yes. age of nine years old at a Very loudly. Okay,
1: so let me turn that down a bit. I will <laughs> rewind this. I'm going to share this little screen with you so that you can see him as well. Okay. You should see.
2: I can see it. Your friend Jimmy Kimmel, Brian. Our next guest <laughs> learned at the tender age okay, of
0: Alan, nine years old that he had go a
1: very back a special
2: little bit. gift. He's go back a little bit and set it up a little bit because I'll cut that out. Okay.
1: So uh, the next one I have is called Manualism. And Manualism is uh, playing music with your hands. <laughs>
2: Our okay, next guest so you're us a learned at the TV tender
0: TV. age of nine years
1: old that he had a very special gift. He's been waiting 38 years to finally share it with the world on television. From Troy, Michigan, please welcome Jerry Phillips performing the song Bohemian Rhapsody with his hands
2: on tonight's Internet Talent Showcase. All by hand (laughs) farts. This is not what I expected.
1: (laughs) Okay, so the the art of manualism is um, Uh, oh my (laughs) god! It is playing music using uh, uh, hand fart sounds, and it has been. Uh, documented as early as 1933 although we believe that people were playing uh, hand fart noises before that and playing music but in 1933 there's actually a universal studios newsreel where a young man was playing yankee doodle (laughs) and uh, that he learned to play that in 1914 so uh, in 1933 he's showing uh, playing uh, yankee doodle with his fart hand noises (laughs) and uh and there's been a handful of uh artists over the years. This sounds, um, yeah, this
2: sounds vaguely familiar. That's so yeah. weird. Wow. <laughs>
1: so there's a lot of uh, people who can
2: do manualism.
1: Manualism.
3: You know that someone music. has a fetish for this out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> there's It's the new it's the new fetish. cake farts. <laughs>
1: Uh, uh, ah, yeah, so all right. That was, so... that was our Bohemian Rhapsody
2: callback. Nice. Okay. Nice. Entering the charts again, the manualist <laughs> version of Bohemian Rhapsody. All right. So exactly. hand farts versus acoustic mirror.
3: All right. So to be honest with you, um, as soon as Mark started talking, I thought it was going to go to Todd because I thought <laughs> I knew what I was going to see in that clip, um, A long time ago, I went to the National Spy Museum in Washington, D.C., and while I was standing in line, there was a street performer who came up, and he called himself, like, the Fantastic Hand Man. And he, like, could whistle with his hands and do percussion with his hands, so he was kind of like a one-man music show with his hands. Uh, But he did not use fart noises, so (laughs) that's what I thought that clip was going to be. So then when he got into the (laughs) fart noises... Uh, that took it to a special place for me. And could actually
2: <laughs> hit different notes with your right. hand of farts. Right. So
3: Please. the point here is is interesting. Is I, I love the thought of there being these acoustic mirrors scattered throughout England, and people today probably have no idea what they are. That's pretty cool. But uh, playing different notes with your hands uh, takes the go. point. Which means where's our sound tie. effect? It's got a tie ends in a tie. Um, oh, boy. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> Or we could have a speed round where you each have uh, 30 seconds to find a Wikipedia article and then present that.
2: Okay, well, let's go. Starting now.
3: Starting. All right. Th- uh, three, two, one, go. You have 30 seconds.
2: All right. Try not to. What ha- We're going to pick the same thing. <laughs> <I think. laughs> no, 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 no. We got this. Um, one, two, one. All right. Should I make it a full minute? I've got. Well, I've got one. Um. uh, Give me one. one. I just. I went with my gut and found found a title
3: that made me. So right there, that's thirty seconds. Smile. His. uh, Does marketing another?
1: Uh. Uh. I have the article about I'm a hog. She (laughs) is. Uh. Was was known as the. First lady of Texas and a lady with a very strange name. She's listed on the Wikipedia entry of people with strange
2: names. <laughs>
3: and is there a, name is
2: I'm a hog. There is a fantastic documentary about people with strange names. I can't remember what it's called now. I believe it's on Netflix. But it's about people either with strange names or that had the same names as celebrities. Same name as somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And oh, Harry super Potter. Yeah, it's super fascinating. So, well, I will match. I thought maybe we'd, we'd had gotten the same category again with your hog, but you were not going to the animal. I'm back to the animal kingdom. Oh, I closed my window. Prostitution among animals. What? So the, <laughs> the notion of, quote, transactional sex among chimpanzees has been critiqued by many scholars. Uh, However, it has also been uh, seen in female penguins to trade sex for stones. Some pair-bonded female penguins copulate with males who are not their mates and then take pebbles for their own nests. Uh, Chimpanzees who appear to be trading food have also been described in... Uh, engaging
3: in prostitution as well, so uh, nice. also a
2: little bit in capuchin monkeys. Are so,
3: aren't penguins the uh, the raging homosexuals of the uh, animal kingdom? They must be.
2: In, yeah, they're they're the sex addicts. Apparently, <laughs> there's sex nothing else. Them. When you're just standing in large huddles like that for most of winter, who knows who's? It's like one big key party, and everybody's there. dressed all fancy and everything. You know, <laughs> brings it up. Everyone's already wearing a tux. <laughs>
3: All right, well, I guess it was a nail-biter, but in the end, it looks like uh, Todd has maintained his reign. Yes! Absolutely. wiki war champ. Well deserved. I was so afraid
2: (laughs) at the beginning. That was a
3: pretty good one, though.
2: Uh, well thank you for coming on and being our guest our guest host in in what is becoming a recurring bit
3: on the Mark and Toddcast so um, yeah well thanks for letting me uh, take my mind off the world for an hour Ha <laughs> ah,
2: yes i was going to ask if there were upcoming uh, unipiper events but clearly there are not uh, We can go but... through the
3: list of uh, things that have canceled <laughs> Seriously
2: seriously uh, well is uh, the unipiper can now be seen on t- on the TikTok uh, as or not? I yep. got
3: uh, banned yesterday. <gasps> you oh, no. did? What happened? this should I be cutting this out? Is this no, a no. Okay. This, is, this is not a scandal. I'm wondering how many strikes it's going to take now. Um, but yesterday, one of I uploaded the video of mine that went viral a couple of years ago. It's the one of me in the kiddie pool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're wearing and the,
2: the swimming goggles and, and little... Yep, boot. swimming
3: trunks, and I'm playing my bagpipes in the little kiddie pool, and uh, you know, I made some comment about social distancing and spring break by yourself, and uh, they flagged it for nudity. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, And they removed it. uh, So now I have a uh, violation of community guidelines strike on TikTok.
2: (laughs) That is amazing. Well, I bet you TikTok – because the same thing was happening with Facebook and YouTube. I got an actual message from YouTube that's saying our bots have gone crazy because there's no people coming in to police them. So (laughs) things things are being taken down that might not be against community standards. And I noticed uh, on Facebook as well they were taking a lot of uh, stuff down that didn't violate it. Uh, So maybe – TikTok will forgive you. Uh, wow, that is that is hilarious! <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> well, I guess you can't see your your nudity on TikTok. You have to take your filth home. <laughs> uh, well, um, thank you everyone uh, who is. <laughs> listening to this uh, Stuck in Your Homes uh, Fun Employment Radio whose network we can be heard on is also uh, doing their show still five days a week uh, they I believe are going to move to uh, Greg's house to record since they're they're in a shared office, one of those shared office buildings downtown and so they're just <coughs> anticipating that that will be closed down too so probably as of this airing that's probably already happened but they will be uh, doing shows from their house actually Digital Trends which is the show that Greg Nidler um, hosts Digital Trends Live uh, every morning which is seen all around the United States and the world is now being broadcast from his house so <laughs> they it's been fascinating to watch them because they're a, a technology company and so all of their reporters are doing off-site things and everybody's doing their best like you said downloading Zoom and having little parties. I do think uh, next week we have scheduled Portland at the Movies uh, to, to uh, talk about the movie Backtime which is pretty amazing so I think i might try youtube has an option to go live and so i think it would be fun to try to watch it there and i think people can comment i would assume people can comment there live as well so we might be trying that uh maybe saturday or sunday i'm not sure we we have not talked about it until right this moment so uh but it would be fun to try to do something like that Mm -hmm. so stay tuned for that for sure next week there'll be a new episode of portland at the movies um uh Go go support your, your local something, uh, in this time of need. So if you can, do what you can. But right now, just stay where you are, and uh, we'll all get through this together. So uh, anything else, Mark? You can take us out with whatever you want to, since you've got the soundboard over there. And uh, yeah, we will see you guys later. We'll oh, hey, we need more. We need more of that manual. Manualist.
1: Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll we'll play a little more manualism. And uh, have a have a good time.